All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Daily Faceoff podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie makes it super easy to bet on sports. It is easy to deposit cash and even easier to take out your winnings. To make things even better, MyBookie will match your first deposit up to 50% just for being a DFO podcast listener. Once you have money in your account, you can bet from anywhere, your computer, your tablet, or on their world-class mobile site. So follow the link at the top of our Twitter page or follow the link on dailyfaceoff.com and win money on mybookie.ag today. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman holding, blue line, chance, stop! Stop! And it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday night as you're lining up for a ginger ale. Way to go, gang. And the zone, Sikora kicks it out, got it back near side of Korea. Korea, the fans want one. Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Seguin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 3, Episode 22 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. I'm back from vacation, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. we got Michael Beeps Bondi. How's it going, Beeps? I'm good. I'm not back from vacation, so uh, so I've just been sitting around, just sitting at the mic. I thought we were uh, we were supposed to record, so I've just been waiting here the whole time. Um, it's been two weeks, so getting a little lonely, but I'm glad we're back. You know, so ready, ready to go. Hey, Dylan D. Berthiam, how's it going, D? Pretty good. I, I guess I'm kind of on vacation now, eh? Yeah, I guess so. 
You filled in pretty <laughs> admirably, though. Thank you very much for doing that. But uh, I tried to crash. switch the, the domain from um, from Daily Face Off to just uh, dbert.com. But, um, <laughs> oh, but you back, yeah, you came back too soon, so uh, that's an issue. But work in progress. A few days away from the copyright. Yeah, yeah D, D's Face Off. Man, it was so nuts. Like, I have never, like, I haven't, I don't think I've taken, like, an honest vacation since I started at Daily Face Off. I think I went to Vegas, like, one time for three days, but, like, 10 days away from it, like, coming back, I was just so out of touch, up, like, from hockey. Like, I'm so oh, yeah. not used to that at all. Like, came so back, many trades, too. came back, and I saw him, like, oh, Anthony Emmy's just, like, on the starting goalies page. I'm like, what the hell happened to Price? And then I look, and, like, <laughs> Bernier's injured, and John Gibson's injured. I'm like, man, I am just, I'm so lost right now. So, would just, you believe that Niemi was outplaying Price even before that? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I went, because, like, the first start Niemi had when I got back, I went to write it up, and I'm like, Holy shit, this guy's been playing good. <laughs> like, yeah, so playing, good. He, he stole one the other night, which was just crazy to watch. I know. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, Carey like, Price, though, I heard he saw your tweet, Brock, that you are going on vacation and decided to, he's like, hey, you know what, we're not doing anything over here in Montreal. I guess I could do the same. So, yeah, yeah, no shit. No, yeah. Alleged concussion, but, you know, he's on a cruise, too. Let's be real. Yeah, I saw him. We were drinking uh, margaritas <laughs> at the bar the whole week. But Bravo's Carey. It, uh, it was a good time. I had a blast. And D, I really appreciate you holding down the four for me. And it took me a couple days, but I'm back in the swing of things, editing lines again. And I actually feel like I know what's going on, and it's good. But uh, the trade deadline came and went. Uh, this is like kind of yeah. maybe our might be our best trade deadline show ever because usually we do it right after the trade deadline, and we're basically just guessing at like where everybody's going <laughs> to slot into the lineup. But we gave it a couple days, and now we've actually been able to see each one of these players, you know, at least play one game with their new teams, uh, aside from some guys that are still hurt. And then we actually know, though, where they're going to play in the lineup, so we have a little bit of a, an idea. We each, we also have kind of a, like a body of work, at least a couple games, yeah. to actually see what they've been able to do. And some of these guys have really exploded on their new team, so uh, you guys want to yeah. dive right in or what? We got a nice sample size, so it's perfect for us to overreact if we have to. So yeah, exactly. Perfect size. So basically, <laughs> uh, we just we have a list of all the guys that got traded at the trade deadline that actually are going to have uh, a fantasy impact this year or should have some fantasy impact. Uh, and then we're just going to talk. And uh, the weeks leading up to the deadline, too, because obviously we weren't. We didn't do a show the week before, too. So there's a few guys in here that... Oh, yeah, they've been uh, traded for a couple, uh, like two weeks now. <laughs> yeah, but again, like you said, that just adds to the strength of today's show, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so we're basically going to start with the most important guys or the biggest trades and then work our way through it. Uh, talk about the trade itself maybe a little bit, like who, how we thought the which team won the trade or whatever. And then mostly we're going to uh, touch on what it means for their fantasy hockey value moving forward. So let's start with the biggest trade of the last couple of weeks, and that was Ryan McDonough being traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was Ryan McDonough and JT Miller coming from the Rangers, and then Vladislav Nemestikov, Libor Hajak, I think that's how you say his name, uh, Brett Howden, a first-round pick and a conditional second-round pick. Um, huge trade, blockbuster trade. My favorite part about the whole thing, though, is the conditions on that second round pick. It's just like, yeah, if we win, <laughs> if we win the Stanley Cup, like we'll just give you a first. Like we we won the cup, like whatever. So uh, is, is that the deal too, where it's like, or 
or is that the Vegas deal where it's like if if we finish in the bottom three, like the, it moves to the next year, but they're already like ten points up in a playoff spot. So like, there's no way they're finishing in the bottom three. Yeah, I think that was the Evander uh, Evander Kane trade too. Like, yeah, it was like lot- it, was. it was lottery yeah. protected, but they're like obviously gonna make the playoffs. But whatever. Yeah. Um, like it was just like a slap in the face to whoever they made the trade to. Like, hey, you know, just in case we uh, we end up just completely bottoming out. Yeah. Yeah. In case we trade for Kane and then our team just falls apart, like normally happens when somebody trades for Evander Kane. Uh, but this was a massive trade. Somehow, Steve Eiserman's just a wizard still. I think that's the one thing that this trade definitely confirms. Uh, he was able to acquire <laughs> McDonough and JT Miller. Basically, um, like JT Miller and Nemesnikov is basically like a lateral move. Uh, Miller's yeah. actually younger. Not better, yeah. Um, and he's probably better. And then he didn't have to part with any of his like top prospects. I mean, like everybody thought he was going to have to trade somebody like Braden Point. Uh, or Mikhail Sergachev, Eisman didn't do that at all. He's a wizard, confirmed. Uh, D, we'll start with you. What do you think about the trade? What do you think it means for uh, McDonough, Miller, and Nemestikov's fantasy value moving forward? Um, okay, so I guess we'll start with McDonough, uh, which I really don't see changing all that much. Um, McDonough, probably one of the best two-way defensemen in the league, but certainly um, there's a lot more offensively gifted defensemen out there. Uh, his career high, 43 points. He was on pace for 43 and a half this year before his injury. I'd expect him to stay around that same pace, maybe a slight uptick in production, given obviously the higher quality uh, in line mates and teammates that he'll be seeing in Tampa. Um, but I really don't think there's like an offensive breakthrough coming here. Um, they traded for McDonough to have someone uh, on their second pair. I don't think he's going to see a lot of time with Victor Hedman on the top pair. He's going to be handling the tougher assignments. Uh, he's still going to get the negative zone starts that he saw in New York, and he's not going to be on the top power play either. I think best case, he'll probably see some time on power play too, uh, which is you know a servable unit as far as second units goes, but definitely not the best case scenario. So again, I don't really see an offensive breakthrough coming from McDonough, but I, certainly not going to hamper his value at all either. JT Miller has actually seen a slight uptick in ice time for the two games in Tampa Bay. He's up from 16.30 to just under 18. I'd expect that to settle back in around the 16 he was seeing in New York once Kucherov returns to the lineup. Uh, Obviously, with him out, there's a lot of extra minutes to be had in that Tampa Bay front nine right now. So, again, not expecting a huge boost in production from Miller, but I think the potential is certainly there, specifically if he can make his way onto either of those top two lines alongside uh, Kuch or Stamkos. Uh, Miller doesn't shoot a lot, converts at an above-average rate, though, 13.1 career average. And the strength in his game has definitely been playmaking. He's on pace for back-to-back 30 assist seasons right now. So I just think the type of player he is uh, could certainly see a huge boost in production if he's on one of those two lines. They both produce scoring chances at an above-average you know, to elite rates, the point Kudrov line especially. Um, so I, I think we'll just have to see how the lineup takes shape once Kudrov returns. Uh, but I don't expect a whole lot from Miller while he's centering the third line. Yeah, I was going to say, um, pretty much hit all the points. I'm, I'm going to go back to McDonough there, just, mm-hmm. just kind of step back. Um, and I honestly, I, I, I was laughing when you said McDonough, because I had the exact same thing written that, I, you know, obviously he's going to a better situation, but I don't really expect his fantasy value to really change at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is someone who tends to get a lot more respect than he probably should in fantasy. And, and like you said, he's more a player out. He's a two-way player, and he's a phenomenal player on the ice, but it doesn't always correlate to his fantasy stats um he was he was clearly brought in to kind of you know give victor Hedman a little bit of, of, of help he's averaged 27 and a half minutes through his 65 uh playoff games that's Hedman. so they want to they want to bring that number yeah. down a little bit that's a lot um you don't really want to wear him down so that's why mcdonough's coming in he's playing with a, a familiar line or not playing with but he has a familiar d man with him in the in the sixth there and dan girardi 
Um, and, and like you said, he's, he's going there to be a second line defenseman. And I mean, D are so few and far between in leagues where you only own three or four that you don't necessarily need a second pairing defenseman unless their name's one of the Nashville D manner, you know, someone of that sort. Um, but, but as you mentioned without him touching that top power play, he really doesn't hold that much value. Obviously he, maybe he, he comes back. He has a couple hot games and, and slide him in as your, as your last D man, if you have a fringe D man. But other than that, I mean, nothing to get excited about here. Um, more a move for, for just that team itself, um, to just solidify what is already probably looking like a Stanley cup favorite for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the JT Miller ad, I freaking I love this ad. This was a guy who was playing on the young stars team just two years ago. Um, for those that forget, cause I, I honestly did until this trade was made, um and and just in general i don't think that there's much more to add on what you said uh miller sh- had great a great showing so far through his first three games um he, he slid right in um and and then uh so so as, as for him i mean he he holds he holds some nice value as a back-end player he has three position eligibility that's phenomenal um and i i like keeping an eye on him for now just in that lineup he's a guy where if he can move up at all say there's an injury or something he becomes an absolute stud if he can get into that top six um, well, maybe not a stud, but he becomes a, little, a lot better. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then, uh, D, I don't know. Did you, you touch, you want to touch on Nemeshkov a little bit or Brock? Uh, you can go into it unless off. Brock wants to add something. Well, I was just going to, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I think, uh, one thing we'll definitely see is McDonough probably slides in next to Sergachev. I would assume, uh, takes a little bit yeah. of, you know, Hopefully, takes a little yeah, bit yeah. of the burden off of Sergachev. Allows him to be a little bit more offensive-minded. I think they've tried to do that with Dan Girardi, but Girardi's just a, a pylon. So getting somebody <laughs> like McDonough in there should help Sergachev a lot. Uh, I think then, obviously, Girardi moves down and plays with Coburn. Suster heads to the box. Uh, you guys pretty much touched on it all. There's no way I don't think McDonough sniffs any t- anything close to that top power play unit, especially when Kucherov's healthy. Uh, they usually will just run those four forwards and, and headman. Uh, so he'll, again, probably slide in next to Sergachev on the second unit. Uh, and then you'll see somebody like Ryan Callahan probably move off of that unit. Um, so yeah, not much there. I mean, McDonough had a really good year last year, uh, but he's basically just moving along on his career numbers, which is extremely solid. And I would just expect much of the same to continue kind of a, uh, you know, a, a number three, number four fantasy defenseman. Uh, as for Miller, the one thing that's really interesting about the Miller acquisition is, is he's basically like the same thing as uh Nemestikov in terms of versatility he's a guy that can play both wings can play center can move up and down your lineup so I think that that's one thing they really liked about Nemestikov uh because they, they did that with him a lot last year they did it with a, yeah. a, a ton this year and then they basically yeah. picked up that exact same versatility with with uh Miller so I think that was a really nice ad for the Lightning I think there's a good chance uh that he could eventually find himself playing um in the same spot Nemestikov was in you know Stamkos Kucherov Miller could be definitely a thing like you said D good playmaker good passer uh bodes well playing with two brilliant shooters like Stamkos and Kucherov uh obviously not a guarantee but again this lineup now that's just solidifies uh this lineup so much more like they were kind of starting to fade back a little bit I think people were starting to lose a little bit of faith in them and they add somebody like McDonough and Miller, which is just crazy. I think they absolutely fleece the Rangers, and yeah. uh, and like this team is just absolutely dominant. Uh, and then I'll just jump into Nemestikov here quick. Obviously, we've seen him uh, head over to New York. The one thing that bodes well for him is that team's kind of bare bones now. They traded away a lot of pieces here at the deadline, so they want to probably give him a good look, see what they've got in this kid. Uh, obviously... Still very young. Had a goal and an assist in his first game. Played almost 18 minutes. Uh, he's playing on a line with Matt Zuccarello, which is always nice. I think Jimmy Vesey's on the other wing. So he's immediately moved into a top six role. 
Uh, the one thing that's good is that he's probably become available in a lot of leagues because uh, when he got traded, I wrote about how hot his start was, and then he really, really cooled off. He had 33 points in his first 38 games of the year, but then just 11 points in his last 24 before being traded. So I'm sure mm-hmm. he, he became available in a lot of leagues, uh, but look for him to kind of pick it back up. If anybody received a big fantasy boost in this trade, I think it's him, especially just because the Rangers don't have a lot to play for. They're going to put him in a, in a position where he can succeed. Obviously, playing with somebody like Zuccarello is going to help a lot. So I think that... Of, the, of these three players, Nemestikov received the biggest fantasy boost. Hopefully, it brings him back to relevance because he was kind of stuck <coughs> playing with guys like uh, Chris Kunitz there for a little bit. So, I like Nemestikov. What about you, D? Uh, I would agree that it's you know it's a bit of an upgrade to what he was um, just seeing, well, which I guess would have been over the last twenty games or so. Like you said, Brock, what was it, eleven and twenty-three or something? Eleven and twenty-four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, he certainly should help improve on that rate. But as far as what he was seeing earlier in the year, I, I think like just the potential, uh, his ceiling, if anything, has gone down. Oh, you know, going from yeah, yeah, 17 minutes a night with Stamkos and Kucherov. It's about the same t- uh, amount of ice time with Vesey and Zuccarello, um, which, you know, as you said, rock strong players in their own right. But it obviously pales into comparison to what he was working with for the first third of the season. Yeah, I was um, just kind of trying to say that he's maybe worked as this might have helped him work his way back into fantasy relevance. He's obviously not yeah, going to be anywhere close minutes. to what he was at the yeah, start of the year. No, for way. sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think like if you have the room, he's definitely, you know, he's worth the flyer worth hanging on to in the meantime to see kind of how it all plays out. Um, and I, again, I think like the two biggest hurdles he has, the Rangers top line, like I don't see Vigneault splitting them up anytime soon. Um, and I, I, you know, same goes for Ryan Spooner. I think that's one of the biggest issues he faces in New York now. Um Zibanejad, Kreider, and Buchnevich have been awesome together this season, and they're all th- three players who seemingly are a part of the Rangers' plan moving forward. So I think, like Nemestikov, they're going to continue to get all um, or every chance they have to kind of prove themselves or at least show what they have moving forward. So they should see the bulk of the minutes. Nemestikov probably gets the remainder of the top six, whatever is there. As for the time being, he's on the second power play unit with yeah. the Rangers, which is just a huge fall off from the first power play unit in Tampa. Um, <laughs> just a little bit, obviously. So I don't have huge hopes for him moving forward, but I could certainly see the case for it. And um, again, I think he's worth the flyer, at least worth hanging on to for the time being. That's exactly it. I think I'm more on side D or on D side for this one, just more of, of Nemeshikov. I, I, I wrote I wrote that about him too. That that they have committed to that those top three young guys up there, and and they made it quite clear their their um, their intentions for this year in New York is to focus on future seasons and. I don't know if Nemeskov is necessarily part of that, so that's why I definitely I don't see him getting as many looks at the top, like D said. Um, but uh, to, to add on to him, I, I like him as, as a late flyer, and he plays a lot of positions in Yahoo. At least I'm not sure how he does on ESPN, um, but not gonna not gonna beat the bush on that one anymore. Just just keep an eye on Nemeskov. Um, I mean, yeah, he he act- absolutely has the offensive abilities if given the situation and. Much like JT Miller, if there is an injury in New York, he is one guy who can slide in the front. But again, it's it's a weak New York team compared to to what was going on in Tampa there. Powerful, powerful Lightning team. Uh, the yeah. next r- biggest trade, and D, you were the one that covered this one. Uh, Derek Broussard going from Ottawa to Pittsburgh. It was a very complex deal. D, you were able to handle it. I'm glad uh, you were able to hold down the fort with that one. Uh, Philip Gustafson, Ian Cole, a first and a third going to the Senators, Vincent Dunn, and a third along with Broussard going to the Penguins, plus 
uh, some salary moving around in Vegas. So, uh, D, <laughs> you, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, you were uh, you were on the forefront of this one. I was floating around in the ocean. What did what was your initial reaction uh, with this Derek Broussard trade, and what do you think it means uh, for Broussard going forward? At the time, I thought it made Penguins almost the favorites in the East on paper moving forward. Like I, I think for the what would have been maybe 48, 72 hours there before the Lightning made their big splash, I, I think uh, they had a lot of people kind of under the impression that they were the team to beat in the East now. Um, I, it certainly gives them an absolutely dynamic top nine and three skilled players down the middle. Um Nuts. Probably the best third line in hockey now, unless you want to count uh, kind of how Winnipeg lines up right now. Although I think we could all agree that Euler's line A and Stastny are more of the second line there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I would call Pittsburgh's third line, you know, uh, the best third line in hockey. Um, for what it means for Broussard, I, I think he's obviously going to see less ice time in Pittsburgh. Pretty sizable difference, too. He's down from over 18 minutes a night in Ottawa to about 16 so far to the Penguins. That's just the difference from going to the first line to the third. Um, you know, especially in a situation in Ottawa where there's a lot more reliance on that top line. Certainly a lot more. Uh, they tax a lot more spread out in Pittsburgh. Uh, top power play unit to the second power play in Pittsburgh as well. Um Again, though, I, I just think the difference in teammates, is, it's kind of going to offset the dip in playing time. Uh, it seems to be what's happened so far anyway. He's got Kessel and Sheary on his wings. Um, obviously, he's playing with the best that the Senators had to offer, but I, I still like the move for Brassard. I think it gives his production a higher ceiling, especially if he's able to move up the lineup. Um, a spot on that top power play unit, definitely not out of the question. Uh, in the meantime... I do think that like the drastic improvement in his line mate should pretty much cancel out the drop in ice time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of, again, how their lineup plays out moving forward. Yeah, Broussard is pretty much like been a fringe kind of owned player throughout the year, just kind of on the, the 40. Well, right now he's actually 40% owned. I think he should kind of, that's exactly where he should be. Um, what I kind of compared to is, and a lot of people reference this when the trade happened, was Nick Benino last year. Um, he's pretty much just going to become a carbon copy of that um, this year. That's what they hope, I guess. Um, as their third line center, Benino last year had 37 points through 80 games with um, Pittsburgh. Obviously, Benino is a bit more defensive, Broussard a little bit more offensive. So I would expect a bit more. But through an through an 82 game season, if if Broussard was in that position, I would expect about a 45 to 50 point season. Nothing uh, nothing to gawk at, um, but a bottom of the lineup player for sure. Um, but I, I like the move as far as team depth depth goes. Um, as you mentioned, we have seen Broussard's ice time take a little bit of a dip since he's moved over. But um, but he's gonna he's gonna get some nice some nice situations, especially playing with Phil Castle and Connor Shear, who are not necessarily gonna be dropped out there in the most defensive of situations. As we know, those aren't two of the most defensive players out there. No. Um, so uh, so I do like definitely where the faceoffs are gonna be for Broussard when he is getting them. Um, um, but it, just in general, uh, just uh, I, I think he kind of keeps that value as a fringe player, maybe a spot starter every once in a while if you need him. But I I, I hate strict centers, and uh, and he falls right in that category. So. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be like an intriguing daily play. I don't think it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it really boosts his season long value too too much. Uh, like you said, the, the dip in, in minutes, the you know uh, moving from the first power play to the second is never ideal. But playing with a guy like Phil Kessel, uh, we know that Broussard can rack up the the helpers in bunches. Uh, this is a guy that's had over thirty assists a couple times this year over uh, in his career. Sorry, over forty assists once as well. Uh, but. I think he's kind of uh, he's he actually had a pretty nice year going in, in Ottawa, so I expect him to kind of continue that. Obviously, the Penguins are uh, a powerhouse offense, and playing with a guy with the shot 
and uh, offensive ability of Phil Kessel should go a long, long way. Uh, the one thing that's just insane is uh, this, the balance this lineup has is just out of this world. Uh, obviously, Crosby can kind of just do it himself. Malkin and uh, Hornquist have been just electric together all year, and then Broussard Kessel is just nasty. Uh, definitely wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs at all. Uh, but then, another big trade in the Eastern Conference. Everybody in the East seemed to be beefing up. Uh, Rick Nash goes to Boston. Uh, he's made an immediate impact with the Boston Bruins. A lot of people thought that Boston gave up uh, a, too much. Biebs, what do you think uh, about the deal? What do you think it does for Nash's value moving forward? Well, I know there's a lot of people who, who ripped on the deal saying that, you know, that it didn't really improve the lineup at all. And there's a lot of analytics out there that said, you know, it didn't really boost up the roster but you're bringing in an eight time 30 plus goal scorer anytime you could do that i i i like the the addition especially when your team's as hot as boston has been right now rick nash um brock you've mentioned this many of times when you said hey this guy might be a sleeper he's shooting the puck like crazy this year Mm -hmm. 189 shots before being traded and um i didn't catch how many shots he got last night but but he he had had five 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 in each of his first three games okay he had five last night too because i was gonna say the first two games he had five shots so if he can keep that going rick nash is such an elite goal scorer and i i stand by that elite goal scorer um statement that that really there's no reason why he can't get himself to 30 goals again this year he is at 20 right now that would be 10 through his last 19 games i just i like the position where he's in he's definitely improved his value um we've talked about what what was going on in new york it clearly wasn't a good fit um and nash just moves into as we mentioned a lethal lineup making what was kind of seemed like a well they were more than a one-line team but but it was really starting to look like a one-line team with that obvious obviously that absolutely dominant first line they have um and it kind of I, I like the addition just for the top six for boston i hate seeing boston do good because it's boston as and uh as a as a number two leafs fan I, i'm not allowed to cheer for them um but i definitely like the, the the addition this year for us as fantasy people we don't have to worry about the forward the next couple years repercussions because you know whatever that's we'll let boston worry about that um <laughs> But yeah, I do think he gained uh, he gained some nice fantasy value, and definitely someone who you should look to add as a dual um, winger eligibility player. Especially, um, he makes a nice fill in a lot of lineups, and a guy who's gonna he's gonna put the puck on that. That's undeniable. Um, I I really like Nash. I, I I think he's a way better player than a thirty one point player through sixty three games, and uh, and I, I don't know. I just I I really like the pickup for Boston, um, just for this year. I mean, going forward. We'll, we'll we'll go back and, and talk about that in years from now, but <laughs> but for now it's it's a nice pickup. D. Uh yeah, it's a, I, I get what Beavs is saying. I I'm kind of over here trying not to buy into the small sample size so much. Like my original take on the trade when it happened, uh, without seeing how well he's done in the first three games, is that it felt like. Um, you know, like another lateral move as far as his fantasy value was concerned. The, the talent he's with on the second line, I don't think is that far off with what he was working with in New York, and he's seen similar ice time. Um, and he's he's on that top power play unit, which is actually almost identical to that of the Rangers this season. The Rangers are at 20.8%, the Bruins at 206 Um Yeah, I couldn't so believe that when I saw it, that. Yeah, that it's it wild. seemed like... Uh, well, their top unit has been strong, right? But their their second unit is absolutely garbage. But yeah, brutal. Um, obviously, three points in three games, uh, fifteen shots. I think, right? Nice start for Nash. Um, but I still look at this whole situation, and I, I imagine his usage is going to go down a little bit once Bergeron is good to return the lineup. I think that certainly has a trickle down effect into how much ice time he sees and what kind of ice time he sees. But 
I imagine that he hangs around that same 40 to 50 point pace, but I would agree with Beavs that his goal scoring ability makes him worth hanging on to in most leagues. Yeah, but the one thing D you got to remember is it's it's going to be weeks, maybe a month before we see Bergeron back in this lineup. So Nash mm-hmm. kind of well, they said two weeks at first, two right? week, two weeks, he'll, like at minimum, like he'll be right. reevaluated in two weeks. So I mean, it's a was a fractured foot, like it could be longer than two weeks for sure. So um, I guess the one thing that is is worth like I am I've always been a big Nash fan. Um I think that, you know, in terms of the trade itself, Boston probably gave up a little too much, but you yeah, know, you gotta yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do. They set the market pretty high. Uh I think it's a great move for them. He's a guy that can, you know, contribute on the power play, but he also <laughs> kills penalties. Uh but the only question I guess that remains is can he play in the playoffs, right? I mean that's been yeah. the, the big knock on Nash for a couple of years now. And uh, well, pretty much his whole career, I should say, not a couple of years. So, can he play it? Can he get it done in the playoffs? We'll have to see. Uh, but in terms of his fantasy value, I don't think, obviously, yet like you said, D, I don't think it skyrockets. Uh, short sample size obviously looks good. This we mm-hmm. saw what this team did to the Penguins last night. Just threw up an eight yeah, spot. That was a um, phenomenal game. Yeah, just insanity. So, I mean, as long as Bergeron's out, even when Bergeron comes back, I think obviously this is a guy that's going to see top power play minutes. And we'll see. I mean, I, I agree that I don't think it does too much, but maybe just he's rejuvenated. He's on a team that looks like a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, maybe he just gets real hot down the stretch. And so far, uh, that seems to be the case. But I wouldn't be dropping any, you know, really solidified guys for him at this point. But if you have somebody uh, to drop to take a flyer on him, I think it's worthwhile. Because like, like you said, Beebs is a guy who has been an elite goal scorer. Uh, it is one year on, one year off, and it's supposed to be the one year on for Rick Nash. So maybe he just uh, he's late to come to the party. We'll have to see. <laughs> uh, but then, really quickly, we'll just touch. Do you guys think that anything happens for Ryan Spooner? Uh, he's had a bit of a hot start in New York, but do you think he really like you kind of talked about him a little bit earlier? D uh, his trouble moving up that lineup is going to be something he's going to have to overcome. But he has five assists in his first two games. Guy who seemingly had untapped potential in Boston. Do you think though that he's really even worth uh, worth anybody's time right now? I kind of do. Like I just looking at all these names, like, he was one that kind of stood out to me as someone who could see real boost in counting stats after the deadline. Uh, six years with the Bruins, Spooner averaged a forty-six point pace while playing just fourteen twenty-one minutes a night. Um, so you know it doesn't. It's just pretty simple math can tell you that um, if he can continue producing at the same rate and expanded role, 55 and even 60 points are certainly within the, or certainly a possibility for Spooner across a full 82 games. So he's playing around 16 minutes a night right now for them. <laughs> I, I would imagine that goes up as the year plays out. I think he is like one of the main guys that they would really uh, want to get a better look at. Again, there's that concern with the top line and how much ice time they're eating up right now. Um, don't, don't see them getting split up. Like we said, could ultimately limit Spooner's ice time, but I think either way, he's really interesting to see what he does over the last 15 games or so. Um, probably worth a flyer, I would say, but at the very <laughs> least, I'm looking forward to it because it'll give us a pretty good idea of what to expect from him next season. Yeah, he was kind of a My- guy that I was high on. Sorry, Beebs, to cut you off. He was a oh, guy that I was high on kind of coming into last year after he had a good year again coming into this year. I thought he was somebody that could build off of it. And he kind of just got passed by some of these uh, seemingly unknown names, uh, you know, like Dan Heinen in, in, in Boston. Uh, and this is the one good thing about Spooner is he's a guy that is routinely uh, produced on the power play. And I guess yeah. this year he kind of got knocked down because of these other guys that stepped up, you know, DeBrusque and, and Heinen. So uh, if you can see, I mean, right now he's on the second unit, but still, I mean, he's playing with some pretty decent guys on that second unit in New York. So if he can just start firing on, on the power play again, I think yeah. this is definitely a guy that could start picking up points. 
Yeah, my one my one thing about Spooner, and it's just to add on to that, the power play point is, is you know, the guy is an apple tree. He's going to get you as many assists as <laughs> possible out there. Um, it's just the goals that, that's really going to hurt you. So if you're taking a flyer on him, make sure, you know, you, you don't have guys on your team like um, – I'm trying to think of someone who just only gets assists and now I'm brain farting on the Henrik spot. Henrik Sedin. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to go for. Henrik Sedin, but I was like, ah, no one owns Henrik Sedin anymore. Uh, just make <laughs> sure you don't. Or Duncan Keith. If you have Duncan Keith, do not take a flyer on Ryan Spooner. Um, but but yeah, I do like him as a, ba- a back to lineup guy. And, and much the theme of a lot of guys that we've seen here today, he does have uh, multiple position eligibility. And I guess by this point, I should probably just stop saying that because everyone's getting it by this point. Um, but no, yeah, I do like Spooner. Uh, his pace for the year is actually is, is phenomenal. Um, it would have been great to see him put together a full 82. Um, but as as far as someone on your on your lineup, uh, d- definitely worth a flyer, like you guys said. The one thing that's interesting, I'm just going to add really quick before we move on. Uh, career 51.3 Corsi, and strangely enough, uh, he's put up decent numbers, but only a career 7.9 on a shooting percentage. Uh, so, but yeah, like you said, 30 points in 41 games, obviously uh, helped out by five assists in his first two in New York, but nonetheless. I think that two Brock is probably more just the product of him um, spending most of his ice time on within the bottom six. Certainly, if anything, like he's normally on the third line of Boston, right, or the, right. that's what he was seeing. Um, all the ice time he was getting with their premier players was happening on the power play, which obviously uh, on extra percentage is an even strength statistic. So Yeah, exactly. So if we see uh, him play with some more talented guys in the top six, which he currently isn't, but I mean, at least he's playing with somebody decent like Kevin Hayes. Uh, so we'll see how it goes for him <laughs> in New York. A uh, couple more guys to talk to before we get to the Blue Stones. Uh, Paul Stastny went to Winnipeg in a pretty surprising deal. Uh, I remember... Maybe two, three months ago, we did a show and we were talking about who we thought some of the top teams in the NHL were, and we all talked about St. Louis, and boy, have they just absolutely fallen from grace in these last couple weeks. Yeah, wow. Uh, Seven-game <coughs> losing streak was recently snapped, uh, but it went to, it, you know, it led to them selling a little bit, getting rid of Stastny, who's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Braden Shen was none too happy about the deal. He sounded off about it a little bit, but uh, Beeb's... Paul Stastny heads to Winnipeg, uh, makes up what is now a third line of Nick Ehlers, Paul Stastny, Patty Line A, uh, more like a second <laughs> line, but Jeez. still, it's ridiculous. A lot of teams, uh, I know during Trade Center on TSN, they were talking about how this could be the best team in the league. I don't know if I'd go that far yet, but what do you think Paul Stastny does to the Jets? Um, I love the Paul Stastny move for the Jets um, as a fantasy owner of Hasman two of three leagues I wasn't as huge on it but at the same time we just mentioned who he's going to be playing alongside um, when I saw those line mates I kind of jumped for joy um, because at this point Stastny just has to touch the puck and then uh, get it to them let them skate and finish it off for him um, but uh, but Stastny he's a guy he's had 10, 10 of his 12 seasons have been 40 plus point seasons um, he, he, he's, he's, no, he's a known um, playmaker someone who's done it before um, I do like him in that lineup. We've talked about how good Winnipeg is. Um, this guy's definitely worth having on your team for now, just to see how he fits in there. He had a couple power play points the other night, I believe. Um, so if he's sitting there just setting people up on the power play, Top I power love play the guys. Too. Yeah, guys, if you, if you, have, you have shooters like Line A, you got Ehlers, you got oh, Tyler Myers, everyone. You got bombs coming from everywhere. He doesn't even <laughs> need to shoot the puck at all, and I really do like him for fantasy. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm not like jumping through the roof for him just because he is on that third line but as far as gaining line mates go i do really like really like the addition um it sucks because he was kind of getting some top line minutes in san jose or sorry 
in uh, St. Louis when they'd have some some of their bigger names go down, um, as we've seen all year. But um, but as far as the move goes, it was it was kind of mind blowing for me just to see that because I was kind of in the same boat as Shen, where I'm sitting there, like, what type of message does that send to your team at that point of year if you're you're getting rid of a centerman like that? Um, if you're saying a lot of faith in Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, exactly. Um, like as as a team though, you'd be sitting in your room going like, they come on and like looking at the GM, like F you buddy kind of thing. Like (laughs) I would be super pissed off. Um, but yeah, we, we've seen, we've seen, uh, St. Louis just fall apart and seen the rise of, of Winnipeg. Um, but, uh, but I do like, I do like, uh, Stassi in that lineup right now. They have nine players that are just phenomenal in their top nine. Um, it's crazy talking about a top nine, but his 14 minutes a game through his first couple is kind of what's scaring me here. Um, but I'm sure you guys are going to dance off that a little bit more. D, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, as attractive as playing alongside Ehlers and line A is, I think this move ultimately hurts Stastny's value. Uh, he's just at the point in his career where he doesn't really produce or create offense at elite rates anymore. And he's kind of had to rely on, uh, an excess amount of ice time alongside the likes of Jaden Swartz or Vladimir Tarasenko to produce the last few seasons. And, you know, Winnipeg's new third line has looked awesome in the two games they've been together. But I just think the drastic drop in ice time, which is almost four minutes a night, uh, is just too much for Stastny's production to overcome over a larger sample size. Still worth hanging on to for the time being, but uh, I think it ultimately kind of hurts what you can expect from him from here on out. Yep, Stastny's one of those guys that's kind of been a streaky player uh, throughout his Mm -hmm. career, too. So I think it all depends on what kind of start he gets off to. It's bizarre to talk about a guy who's been primarily a playmaker here in the last couple of years uh, as being a streaky guy. Normally, those are guys you can kind of rely on to, to pick up points fairly consistently. Uh, but he, he goes through some dry spells and he heats up, and uh, I guess that's just the product of, of the NHL at, these, at this rate, especially when you're uh, at his age. But uh, playing with two young kids, he should be you know rejuvenated in Winnipeg. Uh, not too many people, I don't think, would waive a no-trade clause to go to Winnipeg. Um, yeah. at least the city itself. Uh, so we'll see. I think it's, I, I agree with you guys. I don't think it does a whole lot. Uh, obviously when you go over to dailyfaceoff.com and see those two names that he's playing next to, it's, it's nice. Uh, but at the same time, that top power play unit as well, uh, has been on fire and <coughs> that alone might be enough to boost his value just ever so slightly. So I guess, uh, I think it definitely moves his, moves the needle a little bit for him just because he gets out of a shitty environment, uh, that was starting to, you know, generate there in St. Louis. He moves out of that toxic environment uh, of losing and moves into a winning locker room. So hopefully, I think it moves the needle a little bit for him. Uh, Evander Kane, D, what do you think? Uh, I love the move for Kane. Uh, he slides onto the Sharks' top line and power play unit. He's playing alongside Pavelski and Donskoy, who have posted a 58.3 scoring chance for percentage this season. Uh, that's awesome. They're averaging nearly 40 scoring chances per 60. That's elite offensive production. Um, so to get a shooter or a volume shooter of, of Kane's capacity to slide into that line is a uh, great addition for them. I think it works out well for Kane. Um, he's also on their power play unit with the likes of Pavelski, Hurdle, and Burns. Uh, Sharks have the best, seventh best power play in the league <laughs> this year. Um, I'm not sure how much it boosts his potential production, but at the very least, I think it stabilizes his floor. Um, and I, I do think there's a lot of worry among fantasy, uh, Kane fantasy owners, rightfully so, that he would kind of be moved to a stronger team like Winnipeg, not Winnipeg, but <laughs> someone like Winnipeg, um, where they're already kind of set up and down their top six, or he'd kind of have to fit in somewhere down the lineup. Certainly won't be the case for him at San Jose. So I, I think as far as uh, the potential landing spots go, it kind of 
almost is the best case scenario for Kane. Um, not expecting him to explode or have again like another offensive breakthrough, but I uh, I think it puts him in a spot where he can kind of continue what he's done so far this year. Yeah, one thing I wrote about Kane is I put him as probably the at least stayed in the best or like the best spot after the deadline because we didn't really see that many huge risers. But um, one thing that San Jose's kind of always been looking for for the last couple of years is that first line winger. We've seen so many people in and out of it, and guys who I know I personally will pick them up thinking hey, so-and-so is playing with the Big Joes, and then they do nothing like Hurdle for the last three years. <laughs> um, but Evander Kane had 227 shots. You mentioned he's a heavy shooter, so he's at, like, oh, he's on pace for over 300, which is just ridiculous. I love it. Um, he's a he's one of those players where he's so hot and cold that that's what's going to determine these last 19 games or whatever for him, for me personally in fantasy. If he's hot, he's, he could be an absolute stud. We've seen that. Um, but when he's cold, he gets... He's freaking cold. Um, so, so for Evander Kane, really, and it, it's hard to say, um, they're certainly putting him in the best position to stay hot and to, as you mentioned, keep up this good year that we've seen from him. Um, but but if things turn south, he can he could definitely hurt lineups as the year goes. But I, I really do like that situation he's in. He's playing in the, um, with some phenomenal uh, top line mates there. And uh, keep shooting the puck, Evander Kane, because apparently you could just put 10 pucks a game on net. It's cool. Yeah, um, I agree with you guys. Definitely the biggest riser uh, from the deadline. Also, I think maybe the best trade at the <coughs> deadline. They really didn't give up a lot. Uh, it was a conditional yeah, second-round right? pick that like only turns into a first if they win the Cup or re-sign him, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so definitely a nice steal for the Sharks. I don't remember what tournament it is. I want to say the World Cup. I could be wrong. Or World Championships, I think. Not the World Cup. The World Championships. He played with Pavelski, so they've got a bit of history together. Um, and then the one thing that's always been made about Kane we've talked about is just maybe some attitude issues uh, or perceived attitude issues. But in a locker room with guys like Brent Burns, Joe Thornton, I don't think that'll be a problem for Evander Kane. Uh, he should like it out in the sunshine a lot better than the snowy Buffalo area. I won't get into Buffalo. Um, but I think it's a great move. Like you said, uh, Biebs, we expect bigger things from people like Thomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, even Mikel Bodker when he first went there. Um, Don Squire is a nice player. I think Don Squire still, I stand by my, what I said earlier, the best player that you don't know anything about. Um, I think that top line is going to be great. Joe Thornton, who knows when he'll be back. But uh, that top line for now, Kane definitely sees a huge uptick. I mean, just going from Buffalo to San Jose should be enough to make him, uh, a, you know, a guy that should be close to 100% owned and a guy that should score a lot of goals, pick up some assist down the stretch here and very mm -hmm. uh at the very last but not least here before we get to the break and the blue stones uh the lone big goalie trade we had was peter mrazik also while i was floating around in the <laughs> ocean uh, i woke up one morning my dad's like dude mrazik got traded i'm like really where'd he go <laughs> philly i hate the, i hated the trade uh strictly because i absolutely love mrazik i don't know why you trade your goaltender of the future when you're rebuilding <laughs> Doesn't make any sense to me, but hey, whatever. Uh, I'm not Ken Holland. I'm just smarter. Uh, but D, what do you think? Peter Mrazek in Philadelphia, uh, three and one. I'm just smarter. <laughs> three and one since being <laughs> traded to Philadelphia. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I think out of all these guys we talked about, no one received a bigger boost in fantasy value from a trade than Peter Mrazek. I I think he immediately becomes a low end number one fantasy starter so long as Elliott remains out and he seized uh, all but the. All the playing time, except for, you know, back-to-backs. Um, probably the only days him. off he's seen in the new future. Yeah, I, I think at this point, I mean, if he continues anywhere near what he's done so far, he'll definitely 
have usurped the starting job from uh, from Elliott. Uh, it's obviously been great for them so far. He just needs to be average with the team in front of him, really, to be a solid fantasy net minder, which is certainly capable of. Um, so, yeah, I think he's one of the big fantasy winners of the deadline for sure. Yeah, he was a guy where um, uh, I was a little upset because um, a couple of people in my league just kind of grabbed him seeing this coming, and I, I thought I was ahead of them. Um, as you mentioned, he, he he's a goalie where this is, this is a guy where you can add him now and have playoff imp- implications if you're a team that has weak goaltending and fantasy. Um Elliot's said to be five to six weeks. That's as of um, that's as of the twelfth of February. So he probably got about a month left until he comes back. Lucky much for us, the whole fantasy, fantasy playoffs. I'm fantasy like. season's done by then, exactly. So Mrazek makes a great addition right now. Um, Alex Lyon obviously does not pose a threat to take that job. Um, Mrazek just has to be average, as you said, D. And good thing he's a super average goalie. So um, yeah, so I think you're you're pretty much set with him. Um, I, I like that deal. They had to make a move. Um, in Philly, you're in a playoff spot. You, you got to do something, and I think this was a smart move. Um, I, uh, Rock, I hated the trade for the Wings too because I just don't think they got enough. Uh, they um, got what they could out of them. I don't think they could have expected any more. I just, I just don't like. I just didn't like trade. You're rebuilding. Why do you trade your 26 year old netminder who, who Jared Carew, who goalie like two of years the ago looked like you know a future top 10 netminder? But whatever. I mean, he is small. Maybe they didn't like what he was. Dude, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, he didn't get claimed by Vegas, I Ken, guess. Like, yeah, Ken Holland's dumb. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, t- just a couple years ago, he was like a top five mo- net miner for literally like over half the season. I talk about this all the time. It just shows how I good he could be. Um, and then, yeah, he slipped a little bit, barely played in Detroit this year. <laughs> they just didn't want to give him any playing time for whatever reason. Not going to go into it. I think, obviously, yeah, huge, uh, huge elevation in fantasy status. Low end number one, high end number two for sure. Philadelphia has been red hot as of late. Uh, tough loss there the other night, but still, uh, Mrazic. You know, if he if he just holds a team at two or three goals a night, uh, they're going to win more often than not. You know, they, you know it hurts without Wayne Simmons. Not ideal, but he'll be back shortly, hopefully. And uh, the Flyers should be good. Mrazic should be great. And uh, the Blue Stones will be the best though, anyway. So enjoy the Blue Stones for 60 seconds. We'll see you back here to talk about some uh, lesser owned commodities, but still guys that have received some type of fantasy boost or drop here in the second half of the season or second half of the podcast on the season almost done of the dfo podcast Woo! we just covered i think about eight or nine ten players in the first half we got about seven or yeah. eight left here oh. uh all the big names were covered in the first half all the guys that moved at the deadline uh but another red wing was moved in a shocking deal where crazy the red wings reserved we uh received sorry a first second and third round <coughs> draft pick for thomas tatar uh <laughs> Biebs. What do you think it does for Tatar's 
fantasy value going forward. What do you think of the three picks going to Detroit? Um. Well, first off, this is kind of mind-blowing. I think we all know the reason this trade, well, what it looks like happened was there was a deal on the board for Carlson. It fell apart. That would have been <laughs> the coolest trade of all time. Like, if they would have I, acquired Carlson in the first year of their existence, I would have just, I would have probably just, I don't even know, jumped To be traffic. honest, just the way the Vegas season has gone, like, I wouldn't be surprised at no, all, though. No, it would have like, been amazing. what haven't they done that's mind-blowing? <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, I mean, one thing about this deal is Vegas had the picks to kind of throw around. Just a so surplus of draft That's picks. definitely something that you have to put into consideration when there's people going, oh, my God, is this guy worth actually a one, two, and a three? No. They were, yeah, they were playing with house money at that point. Um, Good Vegas I, pun. I, right? I uh, I like the addition. I don't love the addition. Um, but I definitely do think it's a good ad for a team that um, that I thought all year could use some help, but clearly they don't. Um, so maybe it's not. One thing that I did write down is um, that might scare me is just changing this core. This core has been so phenomenal from the year's beginning. Do you really want to bring in um, another player who could potentially ruin that? Because they were all made up as these, this, they're known as the misfits. But I guess Thomas Tatar kind of became a misfit this year out in Detroit. Um, this guy who had seven straight 20 goal seasons, um, which is something that I didn't realize. That's pretty impressive. Um, and uh, he's having having a rough year this year, but definitely someone who has proven he can put the puck in the net. And I love m- m- biggest thing that I love about it is his two wingers. Um, and I couldn't believe this. David Prawn has fifty seven points in fifty seven games. Wild. Um, that was as of yesterday, so I'm not too sure if anything happened. Um, and then Eric Halla, who has twenty three goals and forty four points. Halla. The other wing. Halla, Halla. Um, yeah, that better play every time they go out there. Weedon boys. Um, just because says that. But <laughs> I don't uh, think it does. Yeah, no, because it'd be way too cheesy. Uh, but yeah, all about I like, that cheese. I do like, right? Yeah, no, they have are. You, but have I love you seen? Have you seen that Twitter account? It's yeah, it's pretty pretty solid. <laughs> it's made I, of I, cheese. It's made up of yeah. cheese. Definitely pretty got cheese. some traction on it. But um, but I do like uh, Tatar filling in that top six. Vegas is kind of they, they they they're hurting a little bit. They needed the they needed the the addition. Um, I like bring, yeah a little bit. Uh, so I like bringing them in, but they they're like thing is they seem to the more they get hurt the more they win although they've been struggling a little bit lately um but that's just been their their go-to this year um but the tatar move again when you're when you're trading things that that like those picks that don't matter as much i don't mind it um because you are they are only helping their chances in the playoffs um as far as his fantasy production goes really it couldn't have gotten any worse so he's gonna (laughs) go up i believe um and when you have a Detroit player um, this year in fantasy, as Brock knows, Blasha will just throw his lineup around like it's freaking candy. Like it's almost like he just puts the names down on the floor and just like puts random people here and there. So, um, so at least now you're gonna know where Tatar should slot in in the lineup, um, night in and night out. And in a top six role, I like him a lot better than in a any role. Yeah, if that top six role is only gonna last until James Neal's back. Yep, exactly. So, which is not gonna be a long time. Um, Again, we're talking about guys that aren't really like too fantasy relevant. So for maybe a week, um, Tatar makes a nice addition for now. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on him. D. Uh yeah, I think it absolutely destroys any fantasy value or relevance that he had in Detroit. Um, he's going from guaranteed top six minutes to fighting for a spot in the top nine. Don't really get why Vegas made the move. I certainly didn't look at their roster and think the one thing they needed was more borderline <laughs> top nine wingers. Um, borderline but, top you know, nine. What? He is like I, I don't know, man. He's got he, he's got he's good offense. 
he just to me he doesn't really fit in like in a lineup I don't get where you put him like he's got good but not great offensive upside and he struggles on the defensive side of the puck so I I just don't really get where he slots into their lineup I guess it's on the second power play it's always nice to have a guy that can potentially slide into your top six if need be um but you know I don't know. Yes, he's a talented player, but again, Vegas, a lot of depth up front. I just think it's going to be difficult for him to carve out a significant role. Um, and yeah, I'm not looking twice at him right now. Yeah, I don't think that it helps his fantasy value. Uh, I kind of agree with Beebs a little bit for like, if you want to just add him this week while Neil's out, I think that might be a decent idea. Uh, I definitely think he's not a borderline top nine guy. I think that this was a bit of a need for them, but I think like we talked about on our pre-deadline show, the real need was on the blue line and they didn't do anything to address that. I feel like uh, they were on the phone with Ottawa for about 30 hours straight and couldn't get a deal done with Carlson and they had no time left to pick up a defenseman. And then they called Detroit and asked for Thomas Tatar for three picks, but they actually meant to get Mike Green. And yes. uh, they messed up, and they're like, oh, and, like Tatar showed up, and they're like, shit, you're a forward? But yeah, I think that's what, the same out there. I think that's what happened, but uh, whatever. I think it does, I think it helps them a lot. That's the one thing that was lacking in their top nine was that one, the wing with Eakin and Tuck. So that solidifies their third line at the very least. Uh, gives them three real good scoring lines, which is always nice. And then they have a fourth line of just nothing but dusters. They got uh, Bellamar and Carrier and... Uh, Lindbergh and Ryan Reeves when they're and Nosik when they're healthy, so they'll be able to throw Patrick that fourth line together. But they they needed a defenseman, yeah. and as a Red Wing fan, I will take your three picks for sure. But the sad oh, thing for me day. before we move on to the next team here is Mrazek and Tatar were literally like my two favorite Red Wings for like the last five years. So it was a tough deadline for me. It was sad to see both of them go, but at least we got a decent amount of picks and shit. Back, Start like so. in Tyler Bertuzzi. Ugh. And, like, and also, correction, I, it's only been five straight 20-goal years for Tatar, my bad. Yeah, but that's all right. And, uh, Get off move, the show. Yeah, <laughs> fire. Uh, let's, let's move over to New Jersey, where they picked up the speedy Michael Grabner and the not-so-speedy Patrick Maroon at the deadline. D, which one of these guys do you think receives a bigger fantasy boost, if any? Neither. Neither. Um, <laughs> Great answer. That's why this whole I second half is going to be us shitting on all these players. Well, to be fair to Grabner, it does remain to be seen how much ice time he's going to get with the goalie pulled. Um, <laughs> well, what does he have, like seven empty netters yeah, this year? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's how you get 25 goals and only six assists. Um, no, I, I think it's... When the net's there, you know? Yeah, I think it's an irrelevant move as far as fantasy goes. He might see some more minutes, but he was brought into New Jersey to stabilize their top nine and kill penalties. He's not going to be seen any time alongside Taylor Hall anytime soon. No. He's not on either of their power play units right now. Nor should he. Um, I think it's a really good ad for the Devils, for sure. But again, no, zero fantasy implications here for me. Uh, Patrick Maroon. Probably an obvious one here, but I don't see <laughs> value than Patrick Maroon did um, to go from playing 17 minutes a night next to Connor McDavid to not that is just a massive drop off for anyone. Um, you know, had a strong debut from him on Thursday, which was nice to see. It's good for him. Good for his morale moving forward. Good for um, his kids watching him. But I would say Maroon is droppable in all formats at this point. What a Maroon. Yeah, one of my favorite things about about the Grabner trade was going on Twitter and watching the New York fans react and be like, why aren't we getting more for Grabner? He's a 25-goal scorer. <laughs> like, yeah, he's a 25-goal scorer with 31 points. Um, but um, I agree. These are guys that are, like, uh, Maroon did hold fantasy relevance, but 
we've always said it. That's directly tied to Connor. And the <laughs> second you move him away from Connor, um, he's no longer a fantasy guy. So uh, I, I just completely agree with what you said, D. Um, I've never, you know, I've always thought Grabner's just been, I thought he's been lucky for two years now. I don't know what clover he's picked up, but it's working. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, Grabner lost some of his value in that trade, as you mentioned. We don't even know what the hell is going to happen with him in, uh, in New Jersey. You I do know, like you, the move. As, he could play for any one of the 31 teams, and I could have no idea what I would not say about him. Absolutely. The only thing I know... And- for he sure. could score two goals. He could score thirty. That's the, all. The only thing I know for certain about Michael Grabner is D picked him as his first sleeper ever. That's the only thing I know for certain. He has a it's sweet spot in our hearts. Season least. two early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude. We don't reference season one of our uh, podcast. That never happened. <laughs> it was allegedly D took Grabner. Allegedly, got like an eighty percent hit rate since that show. But sure, let's keep going back to that one. <laughs> hey, but, people don't forget. <laughs> apparently not. But yeah, moving away from uh, Connor McDavid is never a positive. So uh, I'm gonna just stick with that with Patrick Maroon, Michael Grabner. He's who cares? Uh, he skates really fast. The one thing that that move does for New Jersey as a whole is makes them an even faster team when they were already super fast. I was yeah, watching it's play. a great move for them. I love the move for New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, like for an just... a, from a fantasy perspective, it means nothing. But from an actual team mm-hmm. perspective, which is maybe what we need to start talking about with these these players, because none of them are really that fantasy yeah. relevant. Um, but yeah, great move for them. I think I like the maroon edition too, especially if he slots in on your fourth line. I think he's uh, pretty. I think he can bring a lot of uh, intangibles, which is a a bugaboo word in the hockey community these yeah. days. But uh, intangibles and and some <laughs> offense to the devil's fourth line which is bizarre imagine though going from playing with Connor mcdavid to going to play with brian boyle and blake coleman like oh i would say there's on a, there's not a good way to end that sentence and the fact that you ended it with brian boyle and blake coleman it's like ugh. it's so it's funny because it's funny because uh maroon was like i think i'm gonna probably like go back and resign with edmonton and everyone's like yeah like only because you got you're playing with Connor mcdavid is <laughs> the only reason <laughs> yeah another one year deal to boost his value yeah (laughs) i think honestly what the devil's coach was thinking he's like you know what since we're dropping jesper fast down the lineup we're gonna bring in some speed and uh that's why grabner got brought in (laughs) you know grabner grabner has played for all three of the uh well i I don't know what you would call them the tri-state area teams Yeah. yeah Yeah. And that's crazy that that was the first ever trade made between those two teams, between uh, New York and New Jersey. There was a lot of that at the deadline, like Toronto yeah. getting mechanic from Montreal. Mm-hmm. Let's just, since we just talked about it, he's one of the guys in the second half list. D, what do you yeah, think about the just panic on my trade? Turtleneck. <laughs> I thought it was a great move for Toronto. I think he's a huge um, upgrade over Dom Moore. I don't know how much a fourth-line center really impacts the team's success, but hey, I, I, I thought it was a strong move nonetheless. Um, but... As far as his fantasy value goes, all I wrote was a lateral move. He remains irrelevant. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah, for sure. At this point in his career, definitely no fantasy value whatsoever. No. Yeah. 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 But I, you know what? Like, the Leafs needed another good penalty killer, or at least a guy that Babcock could trust to kill penalties. Um, and if it stopped them from going after Luke Glendening and playing him 16 minutes a night, I'm down. So Yeah, that was uh, I was getting excited that you guys might take him off our hands. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the, the yeah. only thing I have written down about this trade is I heard turtleneck sales in Toronto are up 15%. So that is positive for the Toronto economy at the very least. For sure. Uh, no of teaser Tur- down, though. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, speaking of Toronto, former Maple Leaf Dion Phaneuf. A uh, couple Phaneuf. right before I left for vacation. Uh, Dion Phaneuf was traded from um, Ottawa to the LA Kings. Do you guys think uh moves the needle for him at all in terms of fantasy value there, Beebs? 
Um, I mean, we've seen him kind of have a great start since he's joined the team. Um, he, he's he's kind of, I mean, if anything, he, he has definitely improved his fantasy value. He's brought himself up to the point where maybe he's worth an add at the moment while he's hot and playing there. He's got, what is it? Six, points, three assists. six points in nine games. Wow, okay, way better than I thought. Um, I mean, before he came over there, he only had 16 points in 53 games, so it's kind of taken it with a grain of salt. But if he's uh, if he is playing in better situations, he, I don't know. I don't listen to me. Yeah, don't do not add Dion Phaneuf right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went over to his page and saw he was averaging under 20 minutes of ice a game, and if, if Dion Phaneuf's averaging under 20, I don't want him on my fantasy team. Um, I. Be, you know, to your point, I actually like the move for Dion, and I do think it gives him fringe roster value. I can definitely see the case for fringe. Like, it's definitely there, especially with him getting the six and nine. Um, mm-hmm. Infinif, we have seen him be in the right situation, a great offensive player. And it's almost, or not a great, but a, a pretty He's been great. offensive. He's been great. Player. He was great in Calgary, for sure. That was yeah, we're 2006 to 2009. standing in front of Nets <laughs> on just power saying, plays. You guys know I'm a Dion guy. Come on. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I There's remember two the types days of people. Of, the days that Dion just the power play would come out in Calgary and he would just stand in front of the net and it worked so well and you're like who is this 22 year old truck just standing in front of the net? <laughs> 16 the next power play goals yeah. and 17 power play assists in his rookie year. <laughs> Such a monster. crazy yeah um, um, yeah go ahead off Dion I'm, no I'm, like I said I, I actually like the move for Dion um, I do think he gives him fringe roster value and certainly some spot star consideration. Um, if you kind of just go by the Kings schedule and when they're getting those juicier of matchups. But, you know, just to put it simply, I think 20 minutes a night in L.A. is a massive upgrade to 20 minutes a night in Ottawa. He's got a solid D partner <laughs> in Alec Martinez. Um, I'm trying to think back, but I, I literally think Alec Martinez might be a strongest defensive partner at the very least since he was in Calgary, um, which is a pretty funny thought. Uh, the two have clicked so far on the Kings' second power play, too, as well. Um, and like Beef said, he's always been an offensive-minded D-man, and I think the Kings certainly recognize that. Monday's game against the Golden Knights, he was on for the final push, too, at the end of regulation. He was on for, like, the last two minutes. The Kings ended up tying it with 11 seconds left. Funoff got an assist on the tying goal. Um, so I certainly think there's some potential here for him to see even some power play one time moving forward. I don't think Jake Muzzin has a lock on that second D-man spot at all on the top Nor unit. He, so. yeah. Uh, at the very least, I think it's a situation worth monitoring moving forward. Keep in mind, I've always been a big fan of Dion. Um, I think he has fringe roster value right now. Um, and potentially some more upside of that, if you can believe it. Yeah, no, I like I like it too. Um, I've always been a big fan of Alec Martinez. I think that the Kings are really, uh, really good squad. The one thing that's really nice about this uh, first nine games in LA is his shots are way up. Like, over a shot mm-hmm. per game up. Um, which is always good to see. Uh, we, the one thing that Dion still has is a bomb. So uh, yeah, I was going to say moves, if he moves that first power play, Dion bomb. Yeah. So, yeah, but just even right now, like the spot he's in, if you've watched the games at all, like the second unit is just built right now to getting the puck to Dion mm-hmm. Phaneuf, like for him just take slap shots, which is pretty funny. And that's what I was just going to say because they're just they're just mm-hmm. teeing him up all night. So they're feeding him. So yeah, even if he doesn't move up, I think he's in a pretty decent spot right now. And like everybody kind of questioned this deal, like what is LA doing? Like he's a glorified roan cone, but like. I'd rather Gabrick wasn't doing shit either. Exactly. I think it's a great move for LA. I mean, I I don't think Dion, Dion, like in his days in Toronto, he wasn't a number one defenseman. And in his days in Ottawa, he did fine. He was fine behind Eric Carlson. I mean, he was fine in the playoffs last year. Well, he was never going to be what the Leafs wanted him to be. Like, he's not a top pair of shutdown defensemen. He's just not. You can walk circles around the guy. Everyone knows it. 
but he's got a lot of offensive upside on the back end still. Yeah. And him and Alec Martinez is I, I really like that pair. So I think that uh, of any of these guys we talked about so far, he's the one with the the highest uh, fantasy ceiling at this point. Um, somebody who could rival that though is Ryan Hartman, who went from Chicago to Nashville. Uh, Nashville gave up a shitload for him, but uh, he's still going to be an RFA. So he's under their control for a number of years still. Still a young kid, former first-round pick. Uh, started off on their fourth line, played on the first line yesterday with Forsberg and Johansson. I think he picked up an assist. Uh, he had a goal in his first game. No remains to be seen where he's going to play on Friday. But uh, what do you guys think about Ryan Harmon in Nashville? I think he has some flyer value in deeper leagues for sure. Um, I don't know if I'd put any more stock in him at this point. <laughs> Uh, triple position eligibility is nice, but I, I just don't anticipate his role being consistent enough to warrant any consideration in standard leagues. Uh, I I said it earlier, but I think the reason they got him is to have a guy they could move up and down their lineup, can fit in in all scenarios, um, and that's probably what they're going to use him for. He could be on the top line one night and the fourth line the next, which you know we might even see tonight. So um, certainly some spot start value when he does see time on the first line if you get deeper into the week and you're in need of some points or goals or any offensive stats. If he finds himself on the top line in a given night, I <laughs> certainly think he's worth the spot start. Um, but I, at this point, at least for the rest of the season, I don't anticipate him being worth any more than that. Yeah, that's exactly it. He, he's mostly just makes a great like DFS play when he is up in the lineup, a nice punt. Um, if you do need him, I had the same kind of thing. I think that they, he's shown that he can be versatile in that Chicago lineup, go up and down. Um, and, and that's super effective. If you can have a guy you can plug into uh, your top six, but also be a significant player in your bottom six. Um, so I like to trade for the team Nashville. Um, as far as fantasy goes, Ryan Hartman um, kind of just dropped off your radar. I think unless, uh, unless you need a fill in um, on one of those days when he is up, up in that lineup, because it is a very good, um, a good team in general. But as we've seen from Nashville, um, they don't necessarily produce fantasy studs as far as forwards go um, throughout the years we've seen. So I don't think Hartman's going to, going to break that shell at all. Um, but yeah, he makes yeah, he's, no, he, he's no Phil Forsberg or Victor Arvidsson. No. That's for sure. Who aren't uh, even really shredding up fantasy. They do great. They do good, but they're not elite, you know? Well, they're all about that blue line, but I mean, he only had eight goals in his 57 games in Chicago. Uh, I still think he's got some room to grow. Uh, at 19 goals last year. I think he'll be a really nice piece for them come playoff time. Uh, in terms of right now, I don't really think he brings a whole lot to the table. Yeah. Sim- similar to the domestic option, JT Miller, a guy, like you guys said, can move up and down the lineup, very versatile, can play center, can play the wing, brings a lot to their team. They're, they're, up, they're, they're one team we haven't really got a chance to talk about yet. I mean, we've talked about how good Tampa is, uh, how good Pittsburgh is, how good Boston is, how good Winnipeg is, but this Nashville team is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that blue line is insane. Roman Yossi five apples the other night. Like, come on, Jesus. Um, so they're they're a force. Like Tyson to be, Berry stuff. Yeah, they're a force to be reckoned with come playoff time as well. Uh, it's very high. Just going to the playoffs here for a second. It seems to be very like top heavy right now. Like the bottom feeder teams here in each conference. It, it seems to be a big gap between like the high end teams and, and, and the lower end teams. But there's some juggernauts, man. Like there's like six to eight teams that are just going to go into the playoffs and just go to war. It's going to be, win. Yeah. it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a hell of a playoff. I'm excited for it. But uh, let's stick with a team that is one of those kind of bottom end teams that uh, definitely improved the roster uh, at the deadline, but maybe with some smaller moves. Uh, they picked up Mark Letestu, but they also picked up Thomas Vanek, and that's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I immediately tweeted, I can't wait to see Torrance and Vanek together. That's going to be a shit show because Vanek is like just the least defensive player in hockey history. 
and we all know Torres <laughs> just loves his two-way players. Uh, but D, Vanek is a guy that's just quietly put up big numbers year in and year out, uh, even in his, in his you know later years here. Does Vanek bring anything to the table now that he's in Columbus? Uh, simply put, no. <laughs> he was doing well uh, on that Sedin line in Vancouver, and I, actually it was probably... It's funny to say it, but that was probably one of the more underrated lines in hockey up until the trade deadline. And still, I think whoever the Sedins are playing with, the Sedins have kind of been really good night in and night out this season. Certainly gone under the radar. Um, but I, I just think it's a it's a big loss to whatever value he did have. I don't expect him to see a lot of time in the Columbus top six, um, in part to basically just where he's at in his career right now, but also what you spoke to, Brock. Not a very defensively sound winger, and Torch just doesn't trust guys like that with big minutes. And at this point in his career, he definitely needs to be showered with minutes to have any fantasy relevance at all. Um, so I, I, I consider him droppable in all formats. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. One thing that I do have to say in his favor when Vanek has been moved at the deadline, which has happened three times in his career, um, he tends to do quite well. He's he's averaging just below a point per game um, throughout those games, which shows he can quickly adjust to teams when he does have to be there. But granted, he's used those, to he was going to a yeah, he was going to a little bit better of teams than. Columbus I believe I mean Columbus is a good team I'm not going to shard on them but um but I just don't like what's going on there with uh like you said D that that sitting line was actually super effective and it's a line that that mm-hmm. because of Horvat and Besser was facing uh the second pair of D-men in that and that that could be why they were having success but at the same time they were having success um I I just him going down in the situ- in in general and just um his playing situation I don't like him if anything he was a fringe ad before this just takes him off that uh that radar yeah i have a sweet spot for vanek too that's what's weird so i I shouldn't shouldn't i like vanek too he's a bit of a power play specialist too kind of at this point in his career uh so if he can you know i think he boosts that uh columbus power play uh we saw him play in the top six yesterday uh but already today he's been moved to the uh third line with two defensively sound forwards and Brandon Dubinsky and Nick Foligno. So they're basically like, okay, we got to just protect this guy because he does not play defense at all. Um, but yeah, I don't think he does a lot. Uh, 17 goals and 24 assists, though, in 61 games in Vancouver. Uh, very similar to the numbers he put up in Detroit the year prior. Went to Florida, put up 10 points in 20 games. So I'd expect something similar to that, which is really uh, nothing <coughs> all that impressive. Plus... Uh, <laughs> Plus, he just seemingly does nothing in the playoffs. So, um, whatever. I don't think it's going to end up being a great move. I think the Mark Lutestu trade will be more beneficial to yeah. the Blue Jackets, which is kind of funny to say. Uh, but let's talk about a couple more guys that we got left here. Actually, just one more. Brandon, uh, is it Leipzig? Leipzig? I never know how to pronounce his name. But uh, how Are we going to talk about him right now, for real? Yeah, well, I, I mean, he had a pretty good game in his first game. Uh, he's on a line with Bo Horvat and Brock Besser. Uh, he had seven shots and two assists in his debut in, in Vancouver. I'll, they obviously want to see what they've got in him. Uh, okay. Playing with Bo Horvat and Brock Besser, you know, if it, if it stays that way, is this guy worth a flyer? D, you seem reluctant. I don't know if, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you're one of those fantasy teams that has that revolving door as your last spot, which is probably uh, one of the more optimal ways to operate, then maybe he's worth a spot's spark, spot start or two over the, the next little bit. Um but I, I, I don't know. He's got impressive AHL numbers for sure. Um, there's always been this kind of unwarranted hype around him. Uh, didn't see it play out in Vegas when everyone was having a big year. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's just hard for me to get get on the mic here and recommend him in any, uh, you know, roster role or, um, I guess, 
yeah, like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use him for anything more than maybe a punt in DFS play or a maybe a spot start. I, I just can't imagine that what he did in his first night is an indication of what's to come at all. Yeah, considering in his first night he got seven shots on net, and that's uh, the same amount as he had through his last four games with Vegas. Um, I don't really see that being a trend for him. Um, I mean, he didn't even score on those seven shots, but he did have two assists <laughs> in that first game. Um, so he, he was playing a significant amount more time since the trade. Um, yeah, he had put up almost 18 minutes in his first game there. So I, I think this is a guy who's directly... Um, his, all his values obviously connected to where he plays in that lineup and really only if he plays with Besser and uh, and thing there, uh, Horvat. So um, I'm kind of with D. I don't, like, I've always thought like, there's a little bit too much behind Leipzig. Just he doesn't, just watching him, he doesn't seem as flashy or as amazing as everyone Yeah, said. like he's definitely um, an NHL player and it's nice to see him go to a spot where he'll yeah, get a, at least a, he'll start and he'll play every night. Like, that's cool. Um, and again, you know, it will kind of be interesting to see what he can do if he does get an extended look at, uh, kind of a larger role on a team because he's always had a fair amount of people in his corner saying that he was capable of handling that sort of role. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I can't look at anything he's done to this point in his career and recommend him off of one game at this I point. Honestly, like, but I think certainly, what it was, you know, was maybe betting... worth monitoring. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, okay, That was it. Well, I was going to say, I think what it was, was Benning just hit it with Barchi. Because Barchi fell out of favor, and then Benning brought him in, and he worked. So I think he's kind of like, hey, if that worked, let's try it with Leipzig. <laughs> um, so that's really how I saw the deal. Um, and if that works, damn, Benning looks smart again. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. Said no one ever. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I know. But let's sign him to a three-year term. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I just the only me. thing I I have to say about it is if he if he's playing 18 minutes a night with. Besser and Horvat, I think he's worth a look in in deep deep leagues. That's the only thing, right? Like, I mean, eighteen minutes tonight with Besser and Horvat, it might only last one game. He might be on the third line tomorrow. You never know. But I mean, for now, it it, it I, it's a situation worth monitoring in deep leagues. That's pretty much it for me. Uh, you guys any anything else to add? What about uh, D? Who is your big your big trade deadline winner? Quickly, Fan- fantasy wise? No, like team wise. Who who won the deadline for you? Um, I would say Pit Pittsburgh. Oh, that's where I was going. I would say Pittsburgh and Tampa, but I I like that Pittsburgh really didn't have to give anything uh, off of their uh, roster right now, aside from Ian Cole. Um, I think they really flushed out their lineup. Obviously, McDonough is a huge ad. Um, but uh, the whole losing to Mestikov is part of it. Um. Yeah, Tampa or Pittsburgh, but I, I would go Pittsburgh off the one move. I I just love what it does for their lineup. Yeah, I thought I was gonna be a little weird and be the odd man going with Pittsburgh, but I, I agree. D. Um, just for me, it was more just like what team needs. And Pittsburgh clearly mm-hmm. addressed is something that they needed with Broussard, and just they know what they need to win. They they have the pieces. They know they need that third line center, and that might have just put them back into that heavy favorite area um that we see them in every year so for me it was really pittsburgh as you mentioned they didn't have to give away any pieces at the moment besides ian cole who was clearly clearly out of favor there wasn't even playing um yeah he wasn't playing so really what did you give up um i i i love the deal for philly just because they had to do it again elliot was out you're not going to make the playoffs with the lion um so i do really like that mirazic deal for them um but that could uh if he plays terrible that could 
you know, come back to haunt, not come back to haunt them, but it could just not look good. Um, but for me, I think it is, it, it's Pittsburgh. Tampa obviously made some phenomenal moves. That's undeniable, but I just really do like what Pittsburgh did for their playoff hopes. Yeah, I like that trade as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's hard to knock what the Lightning did as well. Great trade. I think they fleeced the Rangers. Uh, but, I mean, you don't never want to have to give up somebody like Nemestikov. I think Ryan McDonough, once we see what happens there, that'll be huge. But I, I'm sticking with Winnipeg. I think Stastny coming in as a, right now de facto third-line center, um, basically second-line center, that lineup is super deep. They're a team I really enjoy watching. And that top nine's gross. That blue line's pretty solid, uh, especially when Enstrom's healthy. Uh, Hellebuck's been great. So I think that Stastny move really solidified their chances. I think that they were kind of like a sleeper pick heading into the the playoffs with the lineup that they did have. Mm -hmm. Getting somebody like Stastny, really solidifying that top nine. Great face-off guy. I think that that's going to go a long way for them. Uh, So I I like what Winnipeg did a lot. But that is it for episode 22 of the DFO podcast. Uh, We will be back here hopefully next Thursday. I have no vacations planned in the near future. Hopefully no more power outages either. Uh, So I hope you guys enjoyed episode 22. I hope you guys enjoyed the Blue Stones even more. And we'll see you guys back here next week. Yeah, I think Sorelli is still trying to make trades. Peace. the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.